Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... For those of you who've been really hurt by people, really hurt, I hope that you will find a measure of confidence in that. That no matter what has happened, God's will for your life will not be thwarted. It's not going to stop. It's not, it, it's not too late. People sin and they suffer consequences. Some people sin and others suffer consequences. And, and there will be judgment for this. And God's will, though, is that all will repent and return to Him. Life can feel so overwhelming at times. There are people who have hurt us and people we have hurt. We may ask, what is the meaning of life? Pastor Jim will teach us today that there is a hope even when we feel overwhelmed and that our lives are meaningless. Our hope is in God. He has a plan for our lives. There will be consequences for our actions, but that's not where our hope ends. All we have to do is recognize our need for a Savior and put trust in Him. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, Will I Need My Sunglasses Today? All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13, again. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. That's not like exercise going to the gym. Some of your versions say this, this burdensome task that mankind finds themselves occupied with or burdened with. Well, it's getting close to that time of year again. For some people, it's already that time of year. Some people, it's always that time of year. But it's getting close to the time of year when many people start to think about escaping to the shore. I hope you're impressed how well I'm doing because I'm from Long Island and we call it the beach. It's only taken me how many years of living in Jersey to finally be able to say the shore without thinking about Snooky. Uh, even though I've never seen that show, I've only read about all of the, the fallout from it, I guess. So I think it's helpful for us to think when it comes to going to the shore, to the beach, am I escaping or am I an escapist? Am I going for a relaxing time or am I just going to avoid the issues of life? One way to help your stay at the, or your day at the beach a little better, and, and there's many ways you can do it, one way is to, is to bring your sunglasses, right? Nothing worse than getting out there and realizing that it's, you know, the sun is just blazing and you forgot your sunglasses, and you're, you sit there on the beach debating whether you should go up to the, the boardwalk or the street vendors and pay $25 for sunglasses you could have bought at Walmart for $3 on your way into town. <laughs> Other people like to wear their sunglasses because they think, well, if I wear my sunglasses, then it will be sunny. That's not true. That's not true. Sunglasses will help you enjoy your day at the beach better. Uh, but what about people enjoying their days on earth better? 
in the next few weeks, we are going to uh, track King Solomon as he's trying to figure this stuff out as he is searching for the meaning of life. So who's King Solomon? If you've been with us, you know that he's a guy who lived 900, 1,000 years before Jesus. His father was King David. He was a great empire builder, very, very wealthy man, as we'll be talking a bit, very wise, a great leader. Let's put it this way, if we're down at the shore, he's the guy with the big mansion at the end of the beach, right? You know which guy I'm talking about. He's the guy who has it all, or so it seems. Uh, Money, power, fancy chariot in the driveway. Yet he's profoundly dissatisfied with life. He got it all, and he says, guess what? It's pretty boring. Not so much that there's no, you know, it's not great having it. I think sometimes we take that a little bit too far, but he says it really was not as satisfying as I thought. He worked very hard in his personal quest for satisfaction, for his personal quest for contentment, for his trying to figure out the meaning and purpose of life, but he couldn't find it. Some of us might look at Ecclesiastes and say, my goodness, if this guy couldn't find it, there's no hope for me. Any of you feel like you're in the rat race? Any of you actually feel like you might be winning? I don't. (laughs) The rats are clearly way out ahead. So, so what do you do? Well, some people just ignore it. They just figure, I'm not going to think about it. And of course, you're probably not going to accomplish much in life if you just totally ignore life. Other people uh, turn to drinking and drugs. Well, I'll just, I'll just quiet the voice. I'll just, I'll just stop it somehow. Maybe if I can just forget about life for a while, but then sometimes uh, we'll talk about it next week that uh, when, you, when you try certain things for a while, you think that you've got them under control till you come to the place that maybe they have you under control. Other people, just we're, we're more sophisticated, so we pour ourselves into our work. We're just going to work all the time and think that maybe that will give us some satisfaction. And while other people will throw themselves into their kids. You know, the classic entrepreneur, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, the guy throws himself into the work, the woman throws herself into the kids, and then all of a sudden the kids go off, they're empty nesters, and they're like, what in the world do we do with ourselves? Some of us are really sophisticated, we throw ourselves into religion. We think, well, maybe religion will fix it all, and we, we start throwing ourselves into that, and, and, and that doesn't really seem to uh, do any good. So, so what do we do? Well, let's just go to the beach, <laughs> And let's ask the question that's the title of today's message, will I need my sunglasses today? Will I need my sunglasses today? So there's three points to the outline, and uh, they probably will not help you very much if you're writing them in the margin of your Bible. So I'll give you some more helpful things to write in the margin of of your Bible in a little bit. Our first point is sunglasses don't change the weather. Sunglasses don't change the weather. You know, you put your sunglasses on at the beach, and it could be raining, right? Some people don't take them off. They're just like, just, just want to pretend it's nice or something like that. But, but they're not going to change the weather. Verse 12, I, now he's moving to the first person speaking. I, the preacher, some versions say teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Interesting, uh, some people debate who's the author of this book. Some people say Solomon. He was the only one who might fit the profile that was just there. Other people would say, no, the language of this book is from a later style Hebrew. Uh, Some people say, well, it's the word was. He was the king, so he's not the king anymore. Solomon always was the king, but was is in what we call the imperfect tense, and it carries the idea of past and into the present. 
So we might say, I was and I still continue to be the king. Verse 13, our verse for today, and I set my heart, uh, some of your versions say that I devoted myself, he says, to seek and search out by wisdom. So now he's telling us, and probably not godly wisdom, probably earthly wisdom, that these are the sunglasses, these are the glasses that he's going to view the world through. I'm going to view the world through wisdom. I, so I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. There it is. That, that's the, he's looking for the meaning of life. What in the world are we doing here and why are we spending all our time on these things? This burdensome task, uh, some versions say miserable task. That's very positive, isn't it? This miserable task, other versions say, one version said unhappy business. God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. First mention of of God, the generic God word in the Old Testament, Elohim, which really makes it, this an evangelistic book, it's available to all. He doesn't use Yahweh, which is the Lord, the the covenant God of the the children of Israel. This is for everybody. What is this burdensome tax that God has given? Uh, You could translate that word given, it could be permit. Uh, to the sons of man, that's, that's all people, mankind, that we are to be occupied. What is this burdensome, miserable life that God has, has given to us? Now again, King Solomon living about a, a 900 to 1,000 years before Jesus. And when he was a young man, uh, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot down 1 Kings chapter 3. When he was a young man, God came to him. And, and said to him, tell me what you want and I'll give you anything. Interesting, right? Interesting. What, what, how would you answer that question? Uh, in fact, when we're angry, when we're upset, probably one of the best questions we need to ask ourselves is, what did we want? Right? What did we want? Be careful of teaching that to your children because when you're angry, they'll go, Dad, what did you want? <laughs> okay, Mom, what did you want? But, but, and, and God came to him and said, what do you want? And, and he said, I want understanding. I want wisdom. And then he told God why. I want understanding and wisdom to govern your people, God, to, to lead your people. Very impressive for a young man. And God was, was so pleased that he, he said to Solomon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that. I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding. And I'm also going to give you riches and honor. You're going to be wealthy and people all over the world are going to know who you are because of your wisdom and your riches and and how you have led God's people and expanded uh, the the promised land. And then God says something in 1 Kings chapter 3 that we have to really be careful of as Christians. He says this, he says, and if, did you know a lot of God's promises are conditional? If. If. You have that at work ever? If you're a boss, you know this, or you're an employee. The, if you're a boss, you know this. You, somebody comes to you and they want to know, Can I need a promotion. I need more money for my family. I want something better. Listen, we have to applaud that in our people when they come to us with that. And you say, well, if you do this and if you do that, then this will happen. You know, and then you, know, you see them not doing the if. And you think, well, I guess they didn't want it. Maybe the cost was too high. And then they come to you and they go, well, where's my promotion? Where's my raise? And you're like, well, I remember we said if, that little word if. And if you don't do those things, it's conditional upon you uh, performing. 
And so God said to him, if you walk in my ways, then I will make your life long. I'm, I'm giving you all this, but long life is conditional on the if. Now, do you think King Solomon, once he was given wisdom, knew everything right out of the box? Well, I don't think so. If this is Solomon writing, it could be when he's writing and looking back in his old age. And he says here in verse 13 that he, he said, I had to seek and search out by wisdom. So he's saying, I had to put my wisdom glasses on every day. Every day. I kept seeking and searching it out. I kept learning and learning and learning. You know, a lot of times people, they read the Bible one time, like, oh, I didn't get it. And it is a, it, God wants it to be a lifelong learning, a lifelong wrestling a lifelong trying to figure things out from God's vantage point. And I think the Lord wants us to see something very important about Solomon, that, that, if, that if anybody could figure out life from an earthly perspective, it was Solomon. I mean, he's the wisest guy. Jesus has to come and dethrone him as the wisest guy. Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is now here. Wisest guy, sharpest guy, richest guy, has everything that you have to have on this earth. And so he's got everything and he's no fool and, and he's having trouble figuring out life. He's the guy, but he's having trouble. But one thing I like about Solomon, he's, he's willing to search these things out. He's not the guy who puts his head in the sand and just figures, well, you know, you know hope, hope it works out in the end. No, he's, he's willing to search these things out. And we as Christians, above all people, should be people who are not putting our head in the sand, that we are observing what's going on uh, in the world. So he plunges into, and we're getting to actually witness it from his vantage point, he plunges into the depths of discovery. So what would happen if he went down to the shore? Uh, would, he, would he be reading? Maybe, he probably would have read a lot before he got there. Or he would read and then he would pause and he'd be watching the people on the beach but he wouldn't be girl watching per se. He had enough girls as it was, right? But, but he'd be watching uh, people looking at their expressions. Were they, were they happy? Were they burdened? Were they weary? Were they, were they enjoying life? Was, you know, was, was it a day at the beach, really? Was it, was it, was it fun? He'd probably be the guy who'd go uh, up, up to the boardwalk and he'd be talking to the shop owners and, and saying, how's business? What's going on? What are, what are the trends? What are people interested in now? Do they, you know, do they have more money at the beginning of the summer or the, uh, the end of the summer? You know, is, 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 the, is the, you know, the problems caused by Hurricane Sandy, are they better? He'd be really trying to figure out what's, what's going on. He would, like Jesus, enter into the world of the people. And that's what Jesus did. That's what God did. God became a man. God, people tried to become God. People have been trying to become God forever. So God said, well, okay, I've seen enough. I'm going to become a person and I'm going to enter into the world. And, and we've said it before, read the gospels and you'll see a lot of Jesus' ministry was, was personal interactions with people, personal conversations with people, teaching them and teaching us, but interactions with people entering into their world. And so as he is looking around, Solomon comes to an earthly conclusion at the end of verse 13 that, that, man, this is a burdensome task that God's given us. Somehow he knows God's behind the emptiness that we often experience in this world. Now, again, from his perspective, looking at it just on the, the earthly plane, it seems or it appears to Solomon that God has relegated to us or God has assigned to us a pointless existence. 
Now that may be very hard for you to swallow. That, that a guy who gets everything we're supposed to get comes to the point in time where he says, guess what? It was really kind of pointless. Didn't, didn't, didn't really deliver. Yet if you talk to even more pessimistic people, uh, they think that God just delights in our hardship. That God is just so thrilled when everything goes wrong in this world. You know, everything that goes wrong in people's you know, lives. You know, they, they go out, they, they commit a crime, and they get arrested. Well, God must hate me. Well, okay. I guess, I mean, I don't think so, but you know, whatever. Um, other people think that God's will is just their misery. God wants me to be miserable. He doesn't want me to be happy. I, I think of, uh, if you're a little older, you probably are familiar with uh, one of the great theologians of yesteryear. Of course, you know I'm talking about Woody Allen. Woody Allen, a lot of issues, but let me tell you something, few people will... He does it through comedy. Few people are willing to look at uh, life and death the way Woody Allen was willing to look at it. In the movie Annie Hall, he, he's talking and he says, um, you know, there's uh, only two kinds of people in the, in the world, those whose lives are horrible and those whose lives are miserable. Horrible and miserable. And he says, the horrible people, well, those are the things that the really bad stuff happened to. The fact that you're here, you're not in that classification, <laughs> right? Those people, really, just bad stuff has happened, and they're really horrible. And the rest of us, we're just miserable. So we should be really happy that we're miserable, because we could be horrible, right? <laughs> Ernest Hemingway said this, definitely not one to put on your desk at work. Don't put it in your kid's lunchbox, your husband's lunchbox, anything like that. Ernest Hemingway said, life is just a dirty trick. A short journey from nothingness to nothingness. See, people are, are wondering and look at some of the books and some of the movies that are out there and people are wondering, is there life after death? Uh, Solomon is saying, I'm looking for life before death. I'm actually looking for, for some sort of meaning here. I'm looking for what is God's will. I don't think that God made me to be miserable, but what is God's will? Well, God's will is pretty simple. Uh, God's will is that people love and obey him, right? How are we doing? <laughs> the world's not doing too good at that, is it? That the Bible teaches that even the fact that we disobey God's will as, as a human race, that that's not going to stop God's plan for the world. And for those of you who've been really hurt by people, really hurt, I hope that you will find a measure of confidence in that. That no matter what has happened, God's will for your life will not be thwarted. It's not going to stop. It's not, it, it's not too late. People sin and they suffer consequences. Some people sin and others suffer consequences. And, and there will be judgment for this and God's will, though, is that all will repent and return to him and avoid the judgment. Listen to the way the Apostle Peter puts it, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. He says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. Beloved tells us he's talking to believers. Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So time is an earth thing. God lives out of time. That's why we think he's terribly slow, and he's like, no, I'm right on time. I understand it, okay? You say, well, why, why is God so slow in the way he deals with humanity? Well, verse 9 helps us as we see the real heart and patience of God. He says, the Lord is not slack 
And it doesn't mean like he's not saying the Lord's not a slacker, but although sometimes I think we might think he is, the idea is slow. God is not slow concerning his promise, although it may seem that way, as some count slackness or slowness, but here's why it seems like God moves so slow. But his long-suffering toward us, the idea is God is patient toward us, not willing, so this is not his will, not willing that any, that would be anybody, that would be you, that would be me, that any should perish. What does it mean to perish in the Bible? That's hell. That's an eternal existence apart from Christ, but that all, that would be how many people? All, I, I know there's a lot of people you know, running around. I like to call them the frozen chosen. They're just running around saying, well, you know, it's, um, you know, God, God just you know, has his people and that's who he wants. And I, I, to a point, I understand that, but I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. So I'm gonna tell as many people as I can about Jesus. Why? Because, because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should turn to him. So friend, let me ask you have, you, have you turned to him? Are you in God's will? Have you turned to him? Have you, have you turned to him and said, I acknowledge God that, that I do need a savior, that I do need someone to pay the price for my sins? Now, we receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life because of the work of Jesus Christ. When we talk about the work of Jesus Christ, we talk of the totality of Jesus. God becoming a man, living a sinless life in our place, dying a sinner's death on the cross in our place, rising from the dead, ascending to heaven. That's all the, and seated at the right hand of God who promises to return as a judge. He came the first time as a savior, the second time as a judge. We, that is the work of Jesus. No one gets to heaven apart from the work of Jesus. But our receiving of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, there's an if there. If you come, if you turn to him, if you or I somehow call on the name of the Lord. Now, that's not a work. That's just what God says. If you come, the work is done. And if you want to receive that work, it's done. You just have to receive it. You have to come to him. I know a lot of people write a lot of books. I don't think they make a lot of money because only geeks like me read them, but I make a lot of money, right? How do people come, right? To, to those of you who are Christians already, you don't have to concern yourself with that. You just have to tell and tell people the message of Jesus and invite them to come. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. What do you need to do? You need to come, not to religion, not to Calvary Chapel, not to Pastor Jim. You need to come to Jesus. Now, I could pretty much imagine that if you do come, you'll want to know more. And so you'll start coming here probably more often to, to know more, but we are all called to come. Verse 14, he says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, he says, I, I've seen everything that's going on everywhere and all types of stuff going on. And indeed, or some, I like the, some of the translations say, behold, take a look. All is vanity. 
Everything that's happening here on the plane of this is earth only, on the plane of there's no heaven, there's no God, there's no afterlife, there's no unseen world, he is saying it's all vanity, it's all meaningless, it's all futile, it's just a breath. It's grasping for the wind. Some versions say striving after the wind. Others say chasing the wind. It actually literally means hurting the wind, like, like you would herd cattle. Right? So you look at cattle and you go, okay, he wants to herd them. Right? That's possible, right? Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD copy of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.